Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And here is my friend, Michelle Woods, back for part two of our conversation. Oh, how's my friend today? I am good. You know, I, I have to say I'm great because I'm always better when I talk to you. So <laughs> I was good before, but now I'm really great. Oh, you're fantastic. I'm stupendous. Well, wonderful. Yeah. I've been waiting for this conversation, part B of our part A. <laughs> I'm ready. So before we dive into the conversation, I just want to insert a quick little prayer request slash invitation. The prayer request is we have a small group of very brave female souls gathering together in my living room, October 9th through the 12th. And that is for the women at the well workshop. Oh, workshop people. Okay. Exactly. So you know the anxiety that comes part yes. and parcel with getting you ready for an experience like that. Yes. So I would like to ask everyone to pray for these women's hearts, pray for their courage to remain mm -hmm. strong, pray that nothing would go wrong back home that would prevent them from coming. And most of all, pray against any coronavirus anxieties at all. Uh, we, we don't want any of that. And so we, we right. kept this group particularly small in, mm -hmm. in relation to the rest of our workshops so that we can respect social distancing. And then also we have some brave couples showing up October 23rd mm -hmm. through the 26th. And so we'd also ask for the same prayers for courage and open lines of communication and for them to be really giddy by the time they leave here. We know that Couples come in with a lot of worry and concern and anxiety about what's going to happen or not happen. And I love when we watch them walk out the door and they're just all, mm -hmm. all alive and all sparkly and all good over each other. Yep. So if anyone would like more information on jumping on board, one of these two workshop trains, leaving the station here in October, go to shannonethridge.com and click on the workshops link. We have room for maybe one more individual and one more couple, um, but act fast. So I understand that we have mail. You've we, got mail. <laughs> yes, I know. So we, we get some calls, we get some emails. Um, so yeah, this is from a listener. Can I read it? I would love for you to read, read some it. of it. And, and incidentally, for people who would like to send an email, let's let them know the email address so that they know how to do that. It's just on tap at shannonethridge.com. O-N-T-A-P at shannonethridge.com. And we love feedback. We love feedback. We really like good feedback, but if there's some negative <laughs> in there, we'll, we'll take it, I guess. Oh, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So we <laughs> that's right. Very full. <laughs> yep. So here's what this listener had to say. Shannon, I really appreciated your approach to balance a conversation and bring comfort to those of us who definitely do not agree that masturbation is good or healthy, whatever our reasons may be. That being said, I know I still have old familiar messages embedded in my soul, and I'm working hard to not see it as sin. I'm getting there, but truthfully, given my history of abuse and betrayal, talking about it makes me angry and sick to my stomach. I also appreciated your qualifier that you are not prescribing, but describing. We can all be adults and discuss hard and uncomfortable things, right? And we can love one another and disagree, right? I love the <laughs> spirit behind that. 
I love her humility. I love the fact that she wanted to encourage us. And it is always okay to agree to disagree when it comes to sexual issues because none of us are identical. Sexuality is as unique as your thumbprint. And so, yeah, if someone has um, some betrayal or or some trauma and masturbation has been part of that equation, for example, I was talking to a client just yesterday and her boyfriend has been looking at her friends online and masturbating to pictures of them. Mm. And it's like, okay, yeah, that I can see how that would be very traumatizing. That that's, that's not okay. So our saying that masturbation isn't a sin, like we said last time, we're not saying that it's never a sin, obviously objectifying Mm. specific women that are your girlfriend's best friends. Sure that obviously crosses a line changes things that (laughs) totally changes things. Yes. And so we acknowledge that there are lots of you out there that have some trauma around this issue. We want to be so sensitive and we want to tread very lightly around this particular conversation, because if the last conversation was triggering for you, when we were talking about it from a negative perspective, I'm just going to warn you now talking about it from a positive perspective Mm -hmm. is probably going to be all the more triggering for you. But I really love that listener's attitude of recognizing that I know that I have old messages that are still playing Mm -hmm. in my head and I'm trying and I'm trying to open my mind. And you know, that's all that we're asking for on this show, isn't it? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we always try and, and look at and talk about both sides of the coin here, you know, and, but I definitely always want to say, um, and show, show sensitivity to listeners that this does trigger trigger some some heartache or hurt sure and i think that once we share the case studies today it will make a lot more sense in people's minds why i'm not anti-masturbation across the board i'm Mm -hmm. obviously anti-masturbation if it means that you're hurting someone or that you are betraying them or that they feel as if you're cheating on them in some way but masturbation simply for the sake of satisfying your own sexual desires especially in the absence of your partner, I have to say that I've become quite the proponent of that mm-hmm. because I feel like it's, it's responsible. And, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm going to unpack this a little bit more. But first, Michelle, let's lay the foundation of the lens that people look through. Mm-hmm. I sometimes tell the story about how when my daughter had a boyfriend and he was in the car with me and we were driving through downtown Dallas and he made the comment, that is such an interesting building that they would make it pink and i was like that building isn't pink that building is brown what i thought maybe he was colorblind but then a few weeks later we were at the lake and i asked if i could borrow his sunglasses and i put them on and lo and behold everything was pink (laughs) and it hit me okay it wasn't that he thought the building was pink it was the lens that he was looking through made it Mm -hmm. so when it comes to masturbation If you look at sex through the lens of sex is bad, sex is dirty, sex is wrong, of course masturbation appears to be a sin. There's no other paradigm for it. Right. However, dot, 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 if you look at sex through the lens of this is holy, this is healthy, this is pure, this is ordained, then the idea of touching yourself, especially when you don't have a partner to feel the sexual energy exchange with, then you have a totally different perspective. So it really is all about perspective. 
it's kind of the same way with our, our image of God, that if we see God as this angry, distant disciplinarian, then we walk on eggshells and everything in life feels like it should induce shame. But if we view God as this loving, sovereign father slash friend, then there is freedom and we can relax and enjoy intimacy with him. And so the lens that you look through is a really important place to start. And also way back, I want to say that this would have been about 2003. I was on a mission trip with a group from Focus on the Family. Um, Susie Schellenberger was leading this mission trip. And Dr. Dobson of Focus on the Family, the founder, had made this public statement that I hope you don't feel the need for masturbation, but if you do, I hope you don't struggle with guilt over it. And this was way back before I had taken that class with Dr. Lawson that I talked about last week. And I remember approaching Susie Schellenberger and asking, what do you think about Dr. Dobson's stance? Because I just could not envision that masturbation was something that you shouldn't feel guilt over because I was of the mindset that it was a sin. And she didn't really have much an explanation. We just kind of shrugged our shoulders and was like, you know, well, we don't know what he's thinking. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. But years later, now I get it. Now I get that he had the perspective of a child psychologist. That's why he started Focus on the Family is he was a child psychologist. Mm -hmm. And so looking at sexuality and particularly masturbation through the lens of is it normal and healthy in a child's sexual development it's it totally is it's kind of hard to argue with that right so the lens ask yourself do i look at sex through the lens of it's bad or do i look at sex through the lens of it's good and that could determine how you feel or need to feel about this particular topic, but you had looked up some statistics about I how did, yes. <laughs> this issue is. Right. Well, so obviously some people look at this through a positive lens. <laughs> In a 2018 study, 92% of American men and 76% of American women masturbate. Which from, I mean, when I saw that, the men part of it, that doesn't surprise me, but that's a, that's a high percentage for women. Like, and th- there's what probably more going to be, I thought it was going to be like 45. Okay. So is it surprising that three out of four women <laughs> engaged to you? So if I'm standing in a group of four women, <laughs> I'll know next time if you're standing by me, I'm going to know what you do when you're at home. But it did say that, uh, as far as the men go, that they masturbate 15 times a month and women, it said eight times a month. So basically men are about every other day every other day, and women, it's about every four days. Mm-hmm. And I, I can buy that. I, yeah. I can see that. And I had always heard the joke that 99% of men masturbate and the other 1% are lying about it. I, I can believe 92%. I can because yeah. I do acknowledge that there are some men out there that because they have 
hurt their spouse deeply or because they have let it get so out of control that it consumed their life, that they have taken the no fap challenge. They have, right. they have chosen to refrain from masturbation. And like we said last time, we totally celebrate that and applaud your, your integrity and your pursuit of, of a strong sexual character. Um, but yeah, the vast majority of, this is something that the vast majority of people do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it or not, right or wrong, Apparently. it's, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's common. So let me start with explaining the four pleasure centers of the brain. I'm sure that I've covered this on a previous podcast, but it feels too important to this conversation to just not mention it again. So envision a circle and then draw a plus sign in the middle of that circle. So it kind of looks like the scope of a mm-hmm. gun. Okay. Or a pie. <laughs> or a pie. <laughs> now you got me thinking. A pie. I know. I know. Yeah. We're, we're talking about pleasure centers. So, <laughs> well, pie is actually one, one right? of the pleasure centers <laughs> because, yeah, food. Food is one of the four pleasure centers. And let me explain what I mean by pleasure centers. Basically, your brain gravitates toward one of four things for the purpose of comfort, satisfaction, and survival. Comfort, satisfaction, and survival. Mm -hmm. So yes, food and pie is one (laughs) of those four things. Because without food, what would happen? We would die. We would not survive, right? So God gave us a hunger for food. What else can you imagine that we gravitate toward for the sake of comfort, satiety, and survival? Sleep. Yes. Without sleep, we are really in danger of developing all kinds of health issues. Do we feel guilty when we get sleepy? No. No. Why would there be a need for guilt? This is just how God wired us. We need sleep just like we need food and there's no guilt when we get hungry, right? And then what is the other pleasure center? Sex. Okay, hold on. You're getting ahead Drink. of me. <laughs> exactly. Wait, are these in the order of my favorites? <laughs> mm, gosh. That'd be- are you saying that you prefer sex over water? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> There's always time for water later, right? Right. Yeah, we'll deal uh, with that. Yes, water would be another pleasure center because without liquid rehydration we would also die but the fourth one is sex so the fourth one is the best one is what you're saying uh well what would your order be what's your what's your one (laughs) i like them all please do not make me prioritize any of those one over the other because i love them all my four pleasure centers are very much intact so yes (laughs) Sex was wired into our being, or a desire for sex was wired into our being for the sake of comfort, for the sake of satiety, and for the Mm -hmm. sake of survival. There's no undoing this wiring, people. I know that the church at large has tried to make people feel as if this is a really base, animalistic, sinful part of our being, but it's not. It's it's just how we're wired. If we weren't wired that way, the human race would die out within a generation or two. Well, and they make it, I mean, I know like when I was growing up in church, you know, they make it sound like, um, I mean, with your spouse, I mean, that there's a right and a wrong and a, 
a, a black and white, uh, you know, but we never broke it down to, um, you know, how do you deal with this growing up or as an adult in the sexual realm? Or let's talk about masturbation and is it, is it wrong? Is it okay? Um, just all the facets of sex, you know, besides just it being legal, quote unquote, when you're married. Yeah, I had heard somebody say that she felt as if masturbation was God's gift to single people. And mm -hmm. I kind of thought about that long and hard and realized that, you know what, she may have a point because think about the fact that only 50% and the number is actually getting smaller, only 50% of adults are married. Mm -hmm. 50%. And, and, and again, I think that recently the number is over 50%. Over 50% of the adult population is single. They don't have a marriage partner. Right. And obviously all younger people don't have a spouse. And so you've got that whole population. You've also got the whole population of people who have committed to celibacy for spiritual or religious reasons, such as Catholic priests or nuns or whatever. And so in light of the fact that sex is one of our natural God-given pleasure centers and the fact that there are so many health benefits to orgasm, maintaining our ability to keep control of our bladder and our bowels because it's exercising all those pelvic floor muscles. Will that uh, help with that? Absolutely it does. There you go. The first of your senses that get assaulted when you walk into a nursing home is what? Your nose. Oh, yeah, your nose, because it smells like pee. It smells like pee and or poop. And yeah, mm -hmm. we want to hold on to that ability to remain continent as long as we can. And frequent orgasm strengthens those pelvic floor muscles, just like doing mm -hmm. bicep curls strengthens your biceps. And it helps you sleep better. It helps you deal with stress better. It wards off Alzheimer's because orgasm lights up every part of the brain like no other activity. So are we honestly going to say that God only intended for married people to experience orgasm? I don't think that God is that legalistic about it. Yeah. I just think that God knows he created us as sexual beings. And some of us are fortunate enough to have a spouse and other of, others of us do not. And so what do we do with that population of people? And you know, I would have to say that it's not just single people or divorced people or widowed people. I would have to also include married people who have mm -hmm. very mismatched sex drives, like we talked about with Dr. Michael yes. Seisman recently. So let's look at the various reasons why I believe that masturbation is not a sin and is God's gift for this particular season. Okay. So I'm going to start with, I've made a whole list that I want to make sure that I cover today. I'm going to start, well, you know what, let's, let's do it in chronological order. I'm going to start with uh, a lady who told me that her daughter, who is preschool age, on the way home from daycare, she will rock back and forth up against the part of the child protective seat, the car seat, that rests against her groin. In other mm -hmm. words, she's bumping and grinding against that on her way home from daycare. And she asked me, should I be concerned? My response was, she's only figured out that that feels good 
Mm-hmm. Stressed after a long day at daycare. And I think that if you make a great big deal about it and embarrass her about it and, and shame her about it and tell her that she should never do it, that can really have long-term repercussions on her sexual yeah. confidence. You don't want to teach children that their bodies are nasty or dirty, and you don't want to teach them that their sexual desires are, are bad or wrong. They're natural. They're, they're wholesome. They're healthy. It's what you do with those desires that leads you to cross lines. But at four years old in the backseat of the car, I don't right. crossing any lines. I just don't. So maybe just saying something along the lines of, you know, like we talked about last time, if they're doing it in a public place or in the living room of just, that's not something that we do in front of other people. If you feel the need to do that, go to your room sort of thing. I just think that that's a healthy message. Mm -hmm. And then with teens and college students, I think that the conversation that I had with my children was definitely beneficial in keeping lines of communication open between the two of us. I think that if I had said, just don't ever touch yourself, don't ever let yourself think any kind of sexual thoughts, don't ever try to experiment with what feels good to you, and God forbid, don't make yourself orgasm. Like if I had had that approach, I don't think they would have ever talked to me about anything in regards to sex ever, ever, ever again. Right. But instead, what I said to them was, if your preference is not to have multiple sexual partners prior to marriage and you feel that you have to make a decision between do I take advantage of this opportunity to have sex with my boyfriend or my girlfriend or do I harness that sexual energy and just go take care of myself later for the sake of keeping things on the up and up in the relationship until you're ready to commit to each other for a lifetime that I hope that you will feel the freedom to just take care of yourself. If you have to make the choice between becoming sexually active or just masturbating, I think that masturbation is the healthier choice. Could anyone disagree with that? That taking care of yourself would be healthier for a teenager or college student rather than having sex with someone that they have no idea if they'll be with the rest of their lives or not? No, I totally agree. Um, And like I said in our last episode, these are things that we're starting to talk about at my house with my boys not my youngest yet but uh with my oldest this is something that we have to talk about and so yeah I was curious what you said to your children and just how to word it and I mean there's so many of my girlfriends are like oh my gosh I I don't want to talk to them about this and or I'll let their dad or you know I I don't know everybody's situation is different but um I don't want either of my boys to feel like, you know, anything's off limits or they can't open up about something because this is a big, a big deal. And it starts earlier now than, than ever, mm-hmm. just the access that they have with, you know, social media and the internet and the phones that they have now that we used to not have till we were teenagers. Right. They, they have discovered their sexual desires long before we ever did. This is, this is the generation that we're dealing with. I mean, that's something that we talk about a lot in our circle. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, what to say to our kids, you know, the environment I grew up in, in a very sheltered, you know, school, home, church, Like those were my three places. And then I went to a small Christian school. And so 
it's just ingrained in you that masturbating means you're lusting, you know, and lust is a sin. And so just wrapped up as a whole, it's wrong. So, you know, to look at it through a different frame and think of it differently and uh, it's tough because a lot, a lot of people find it hard to say that, yeah, I encourage my child to, to masturbate, you know? Yeah, and, I know and for, we're not saying encourage your children to do it. We're saying don't necessarily discourage your children from doing it. Mm-hmm. And especially don't come at it from a spiritual perspective of it's a sin if you do, because we have absolutely zero scriptures to back that up. Mm-hmm. We have to be really careful about not painting God into a corner and making him look like this mean ogre that created us as sexual beings, but doesn't want us to feel any sexual pleasure at all. I just, that, that doesn't add up in my head at all. So let's kind of evolve from the childhood and teenager and college age to adults, because what you just described of, we always thought that it was lust. I had this exact conversation last night with a couple in their fifties and that was, that's what they were always taught being raised in the Bible belt and all that. But here they are in their fifties and she still has not learned how to lean in and experience orgasm. And my advice to her was because you've not yet been successful in having an orgasm with your husband, would you consider just taking some time to explore with this part of your sexuality by yourself, maybe in the bathtub or the shower or in bed alone or whatever, because until you discover what feels good to you, you can't teach your husband what feels good to you. And she was just, she, she said to him, would you have a problem with that, honey? And he said, babe, I've been trying to figure out for over 30 years, what would make you feel good. And I give up. He said, I have no idea. He said, you need to figure this out because they'll figure it out and tell me exactly. That was what he was clamoring for her to do. And he said, I know that we were taught that it was lust, but he said, I really like that definition that I've heard Shannon talk about on her podcast, that lust is going out of your way to make something yours that doesn't belong to you. Lust is not feeling sexual energy because of a thought that you're having. Mm -hmm. That comes part and parcel with being human. There's no switch Mm -hmm. to turn that off. So another illustration is there was a girl who came to me while she was in her college years. And she said, masturbation has been a part of my life since I was five. But the problem is that it is such an addiction for me that I cannot go to sleep at night until I masturbate. So she was literally masturbating every single night as Mm -hmm. part of her nightly routine. And it was bothersome to her. I wouldn't have said, well, you know, there's something wrong with that. But she came saying, I'm really bothered. She didn't feel right about it. She wanted to change that. So I had some empowering conversations with her about, yeah, Paul doesn't want us to be a slave to anything. And if you feel like you're a slave to this, then let's take a step back. You can learn a new pattern, uh, a new routine, a new ritual for getting ready for bed and winding yourself down without doing this. And what she did was uh, she lived in a college dorm. Instead of masturbating herself to sleep, she would go for a walk in the lobby and just walk and walk and walk and listen to worship music until she felt tired enough to go and lay down and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And, and she broke the habit. But then I heard from her 18 years later. And so here she is in her thirties. And she said, 
I felt really good about refraining from that activity for a long while. But she said, then I reached the, the season of my life that I thought, I think that I can have some balance with this. I don't think that I need to do mm -hmm. it every night, but if I feel the need to do it on occasion to just keep from having sex with somebody that I shouldn't be having sex with, then I think that God is okay with it. And so she said, I maybe do it two or three times a month, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but she said, it does not control me like it once did. And she was feeling really good about herself. I could just tell by the glow of her skin mm -hmm. that she just, she was at a healthy, balanced place with it. So more power to someone who feels as if they want to just balance the issue in their life. And then shortly after my conversation with her, I was talking with a lady, I'll just call her Belinda. She, Belinda was a nurse and she was widowed and she had an adult special needs son that would never be able to live independently. He would live with her the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. And so she had no intention of ever dating or, you know, like she could right. not have a life. She had to pay a sitter to come in to be with him while she was working her nursing shift. And so this woman was stressed to the max. I mean, being a nurse is stressful enough and having a special needs child is stressful enough. But when both of those take up your whole world, right. what is there for just you? Mm -hmm. And so I asked her, I said, do you ever take out time? for taking a bubble bath, for reading a book, for taking care of your sexual desires. And she was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, back up the tape. <laughs> what did you just say? And I was like, yeah, I assume that you have sexual desires, a woman in your late forties. And she was just like, well, of course I do, but I didn't think that I could do that. And I said, who told you that? She said, you know, I don't know that anybody ever told me that I couldn't. She said, I guess I just assumed that that's sex. It's like, no, really? it's not sex. That is mm -hmm. self-gratification. And I said, with as stressed as you are, I think that you need some stress relief sometimes. And I told her about all the health benefits. The next several times that I talked to her, she was like a totally different woman. She just <laughs> felt so liberated and free and comfortable in her own skin and confident. And the stress of, of work and home didn't seem nearly as overwhelming to her because she knew that she could light a candle, slip down in the bubble bath, take care of herself, and that it would just help her feel as if she got a few moments of me time. Right. So she, she was a different, a different woman. Yeah. That reminds me of that <laughs> SNL skit about the Tempur-Pedic me time mattress. <laughs> Here's another scenario where I actually did a sign that masturbation needs to be part of the equation. And so in the event that I have described it, not prescribed it in the past, I acknowledge I prescribed it in this situation. Mm -hmm. There was a couple who came to me who'd been married maybe seven or eight years and she was frazzled and angry and he was frustrated and put out. And the issue was that he wanted sex every night. Mm -hmm. And they had like four kids and she worked and it's like, that's a lot to expect from your wife. How long has this been going on? And she said, oh, since the very beginning, I have had pressure every single night of our marriage to be the outlet for his sexual desires. And she was mm. just like, I'm done. I'm done. And she was ready to be done with the marriage. She was oh, like, wow. I never even have a chance to get hungry for sex because he's always having to, to use me. Because he had been taught that masturbating is a sin. 
And so he would tell her, if you won't have sex with me, you're going to cause me to sin because mm-hmm. he felt as if he had to have it every right. night. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that, at that point, it sounded incredibly abusive. And I told him, I said, I think that if you don't learn to A, scale your desires back, you don't have to have it every day. You won't explode. I assure you. But when you feel as if you have to have it and your wife feels as if she just can't go there, you need to just take care of yourself and take the Mm -hmm. burden of responsibility off of her. And was she good with that? Absolutely. She was wishing. She's like, yes, (laughs) thank you. Would you masturbate so that I don't have to be a part of this? That's exactly how she was feeling. And then I also remember a woman who read every woman's battle and asked the question, is it wrong for me to masturbate? My husband is deployed in Afghanistan for two years and all these men in my church keep coming over to mow the grass and service the car. And, and she said, I admit that there are times that we maybe talk a little longer than we should. And I begin to have Mm -hmm. fantasies and, and she said, I'm trying not to beat myself up over my natural desires, but she said, I feel the need to take care of my own sexual desires right now so that I'm not tempted to fall prey to an extramarital mm-hmm. affair while her husband is deployed. And I told her, I said, I think that's a pretty righteous reason for wanting to mm-hmm. masturbate. I said, my encouragement to you though, is don't keep this a secret from your husband. Yeah. Let him know. And when you talk to him, uh, you know, like flirt with him and you're like, y'all keep the home fires burning while you're apart. Sure. Don't become so self-sufficient that you don't need each other and you don't fuel each other anymore. But she asked him, would you be okay if I felt the need to do that? And, she, and he said, honey, you don't think that I'm doing that frequently here in this post? He was like, this is one of the biggest stress relievers that we have access to is just mm-hmm. taking care of ourselves. So he was like, I'll make a deal with you. You feel the freedom to do it on your end. I'll feel the freedom to do it on my end, but I cannot wait to get back together with you where we don't have to do it solo. We can do it together. Right. All that yeah. it took. And I think during those times, like that, I mean, you'd really have to go the extra mile to protect yourself and take care of yourself. And, um, but yeah, I think the communication thing is super important when you, if you are doing that and, you know, your spouse doesn't know, uh, then it's a conversation you need to have, apparently. Right. Um, and but, even let it evolve into phone sex if you have the opportunity, you know, mm-hmm, like right. to masturbate while you're talking on the phone to each other. That's a really intimate thing. It's, you, it's you can a, even use your sex operator voice. <laughs> what are you wearing, Jake from what State Farm? What are you Farm? wearing, Jake from State Farm? <laughs> I love that commercial. Okay, so <laughs> final example that I think is very illustrative of sometimes masturbation is wise. Sometimes there's nothing sinful about it. When I was doing Sexy Marriage Radio with Dr. Corey Allen, this guy reached out to me and he said, Shannon, I just want to ask you this opinion question. My wife died one year ago. My libido dropped out the bottom. It disappeared. He said, Mm -hmm. I had zero desire for sex at all, but almost as if magically on the one year anniversary of her death, my libido came back full force. And he said, but I'm 70 years old. I can't envision myself ever getting remarried. 
he said, I, I have some health issues and I, I just don't think that it would be right to put my kids through all that. It would be too difficult of an adjustment, but I would like to just have a companion to go to dinner with and to go see a movie with and that we take each other to doctor's appointments or whatever. But he said, would it be wrong for me to masturbate so that I'm not tempted to involve her in a sexual relationship where she's expecting that we're going to get married? And mm -hmm. I just told him, I have never heard a more holy and pure reason to masturbate that you don't want to take advantage of another woman, that you don't want to send signals that would give her false hope. I don't know of anybody who could argue with the fact that I, just, I can't see that as sin. I can't envision the God that you and I know and love and serve and worship judging a 70-year-old man for taking care of himself so that he doesn't take advantage of a new companion that he might find in life. That's pretty selfless. So I'm going to close with this. I am so grateful for the summer that I spent working at a nursing home when I was right out of high school because <laughs> it really helped me catch the vision for the lifespan of sexuality. So we obviously had a lot of of residents who were in their 80s or 90s and I've talked about one couple that was married and still had sexual relations as best they could but a lot of them were obviously you know single or widowed and there were even some people in the nursing home that were much younger they were there because of either mental or physical handicaps mm -hmm. and I can't tell you how many patients actually had some sort of masturbatory aid in their nightstand drawer that really they had either brought that with them or their family member had saw fit to make sure that they had something to you know to in create. the nursing home in a nursing home really hey, you are never too old for good vibrations <laughs> i'll just say that apparently not but think about it if, if something happened to you and you needed to go into a nursing home perhaps for the rest of your life mm -hmm. do you want to have zero access to anything that could help you de-stress help you remain continent uh light up your brain so that you can ward off alzheimer's so I just, can everyone Mm -hmm. Just for, I just interrupted you. I'm just thinking about when I visit you <laughs> in your nursing home one day that you're going to have multiple nightstands. One's going to have a lock on it. So when you come to visit me, don't bring me flowers. <laughs> don't bring me candy. <laughs> bring your new vibrator. <laughs> bring me the latest Covenant Spice gadget. <laughs> we'll talk more about sex toys and Covenant Spice on a future episode. But again, like we said on the last show, if this is against your personal conscience, then don't do it. Don't do it. There, we right. are not pressuring you. We don't want to make you feel weird or unusual if you don't masturbate. If you don't feel the need for it, then just don't go there. But if you do feel the need for it, I completely understand where Dr. James Dobson was coming from with his sentiment that I hope you don't feel the need for masturbation. He was speaking to young people when he said this. I hope you don't feel the need for masturbation, but if you do... I hope you don't struggle with guilt over it. Mm -hmm. I would even go as far as to say that, you know what, if you're an adult and you do feel the need for masturbation or just the desire for masturbation, as long as you are not binging on porn, as long as you're not objectifying your boss or your secretary or your pastor or your next door neighbor or somebody in your real world mm -hmm. life, as long as you are not hurting yourself or your spouse or someone else, 
I just can't see in scripture where this is hard and fast across the board, always under every circumstance, a sin. That's all that we're saying. It's just, I, I think that we can be mature enough to look at the situation and determine if this is a healthy choice or an unhealthy choice, if it's in balance or if it's way out of balance mm-hmm. and if it produces good fruit in our life or if it's producing bad fruit in our life or relationships. Right. So there you go. Ba-dum-bum. You're done. <laughs> That's all you got to say. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> I just like to sit here and listen to you talk. I feel like I should get some popcorn in my drink and just listen. <laughs> sit at your feet and listen. Like oh, wise one. Like you're watching a drive-in picture show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for giving me a sounding board to bounce all these ideas off of because if this was a monologue, this would be so much more difficult. <laughs> Thank you for the investment that you make in this show when you are able to carve out that time to connect with me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. That's sweet. I appreciate that. You bet. So again, if you are interested in attending a workshop, go to shannonethridge.com and click on the workshops link. Or if you just want to do one-on-one coaching as an individual or as a couple, click on the coaching link. If you are interested in developing your own ministry or business or coaching practice or counseling practice or podcast or book or whatever, click on the mentoring link and learn about the BLAST mentoring program. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, or just want to chime in about one of our conversations that we've had on tap at shannonethridge.com. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode. We love you for listening. And we thank you for tapping on us.